Hello, welcome to the podcast of Grace Fellowship Church Shrewsbury. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. in Southern York County, Pennsylvania. You can join our morning live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury. You can find more information about us at gfcshrewsbury.org. We are so excited to bring you this message today, and it is our hope that you will come to know and believe Jesus Christ more fully through it. So, um, as Mother's Day's Mother Day's work, Mother's Day works each year. Probably, this is the day that you receive the extra thanks and, the, if, if, and extra appreciation, and then you wait a year for it again, right? <laughs> now, our hope is that um, that we would be better in noticing throughout the year and being appreciative and extending thanks. So, uh, so again, thank you, moms, and uh, we want to do better. So, today we're going to be. Um, focusing on judgment and right judgment and as I was um, thinking about this you know my mom growing up uh, uh, she had discernment she um, provided judgment to me and I specifically remember when I was young of uh, mom speaking to me and saying you need to be careful with a couple of these friends that you're choosing and you need to um, uh, make sure again that you're making wise choices that those that you spend time with and invest your life in that it's going to be positive it'll be good influence so uh, mom was doing something that that we all do some moms again have this special sense at times and uh and, but she was making a judgment she was making that statement based on what she saw but then also what she felt in her heart uh, so we're going to talk about judging and and how we how uh, god's calling us to make right judgment and uh, we're going to be seeing how that connects to what we see but then uh something that's far beyond that it's what's what's in her heart so i wanted to take you to a time and a place where, um, concerning a judgment that I made. I was at this meeting, and um, this was quite a few years ago, and it was a time of, um, of ministry to people going through struggles and going through uh, difficult times, just allowing God to really speak into uh, their lives and, and hopefully bring healing and connection with God and what God, uh, God was offering. And in that meeting, there was, uh, again, there was uh, the teaching of the Word. It was um, giving... Uh, just instruction in how to find God in a deeper way and find healing for your life. And at the end, there was, there was prayer. So we were kind of set, set in a circle. The chairs were in a circle. And um, people were praying at the end. And, you know, um, and, and as a pastor, sometimes there's this expectation that, that you um, have this special sense or discernment towards people and situations and what they're going through. And, and a lot of times we can put that expectation on ourselves. But in reality is that God does often lead not just pastors, but many people to just kind of sense and discern a moment. So um, some people were still praying. I was still in that circle and some people had uh, kind of dismissed and were, and were um, just talking among themselves quietly. So I was sitting in the circle and sitting across from me was this, was this lady and and I was watching what, what I thought, it, there must be some significant spiritual battle that's going on, you know, based on what we just talked about. And literally she was, she was praying and, and like her, her posture towards God was just sort of reaching out and seeking. And then, and then it was just like, literally like she would close up and she would kind of sit on her hands and close up. And then there was this response again that just seemed to be so open and like just surrendering to God and saying, God, you know, so, so I'm, I'm trying to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading and um, wanting to follow, you know, if God would have me to, to minister to her, but I just saw this, this repeated cycle of then, you know, again, this openness and, and then this pulling back. So after some time of discerning, I, 
I went across, I walked across the circle and sat down next to her. I, I knew her, not knew her well, but, but I knew who she was. We had a conversation and, and I just explained, you know, I've been, I've been watching this and it just seems that you're having wrestling and the spiritual battle that's going on. And, um, you know, I said, you know, if you'd like, I'd, I'd be glad to pray for you. And she was so kind. Uh, she said, thank you so much. Uh, but I just want to let you know my hands were cold. So <laughs> that happened many years ago and it stuck with me so strongly um, because I was really trying to do right. I was trying to make a right judgment and I called it wrong. But she was gracious and uh, maybe she's told the story too. I don't know. And that's okay if she has. But you know, the reality what this draws us to is that even when we can feel like we're doing it just right, we can make a wrong judgment. And a very difficult thing for us to to do is to look in the mirror and realize I'm making wrong judgment. To look at our nation and realize that our nation is full of wrong judgments. You know, if I, you know, in the in the time that I've lived here on planet Earth, honestly, I don't feel like I, I remember a time when there have been more judgments that are being passed than there are today. That our culture has become a culture of judging. And what happens is that we can be drawn into this. It's just so natural for us. That we can be drawn into where we're judging and that judging may just be happening in our minds, but it often then goes from our minds to our mouths, to our conversation where we're passing judgment. It can go to, um, to online, to social media. And unfortunately, it often fleshes out in our actions of making judgments. And the thing is, is that sometimes we're even making the right judgments, but we do it in a wrong way. So I don't know if this is challenging to you. Again, the chair is a representation to me of how I know I can make a wrong judgment. But I believe that when we're, when we're really quiet and before God, we can realize that, yes, we have that capacity even today to make a wrong judgment. And God does not want to leave us there. We were looking last week about how people were judging Jesus. And wow, some totally missed it. The Savior of the world was standing before them and they walked away. There were those that were making right judgment, but there were so many that were making wrong judgments about God who was there with them in flesh. So we can wonder how, you know, 2,000 years ago, people could be with God in flesh and make wrong judgments, but we're seeing it from a different vantage point. The reality is, is that you and I today, even from the place that we sit and where we stand and where we live, we can look at God and we can make wrong judgments about him. We can look at ourselves and make wrong judgments. We can look at others and we can look at situations and make wrong judgments. But this just lays the groundwork for what we're gonna look at today, how God is desiring to speak into us and how he is desiring to lead us to right judgment. So I'm gonna ask if you would just posture your heart before the Lord and uh, if you would feel so led to maybe just open hands before him, but let's just uh, ask God to speak to us personally, individually, from his word and by his spirit that he would lead us to right judgment today. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that you are perfect in all of your ways. And we ask God that, that you would position and posture our hearts and our minds to receive from you that which you desire to speak. 
And God, I pray over each person that is hearing your word. God, both, again, here in person and joining us online, that, that you're, the presence of your spirit, Lord, would rest upon each one of us, that we would hear, receive your word, and put it into practice. And we ask this in Jesus' name, for your honor and for your glory. Everybody said, amen. Amen. So we're in John chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at the first 24 verses of this chapter. And uh, as we turn there, the first words uh, of this passage are, <coughs> whoops, we're going to, I'm going to let you take this, Heather, if, it, if that's okay. Uh, the first words of this passage are, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. So as we look at that, that beginning of chapter 7, it's, it's actually, on obviously referring back to what happened in chapter six. So in chapter six, um, we saw Jesus in the feeding of the 5,000, uh, Jesus walking on water, and then Jesus giving teaching that was extremely difficult, where he was saying, uh, talking about you know, him being the bread of life, but that bread that was to be eaten, to eat his, his, his body and drink his blood, and these were difficult sayings. So this is happening in Galilee, and we move into chapter seven, it says, again, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. So it's in this context, in this timing, that we have Jesus continuing in that same area. Uh, if you remember, you know, Israel, there were two providences. In the south, there was Judea, which had Jerusalem, um, where the temple was, temple worship, and the north was Galilee, in between was Samaria. So Jesus is in the northern province at this point, at the beginning of this passage. So it says, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea, this is the southern province, because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing, for no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world, for not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot, cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, where is he? And there was much muttering about, about him among the people. While some said, he is a good man, others said, no, he's leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly to him, or of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning where he has never, when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keep the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? And Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it was from Moses, but from the fathers, and you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge 
with right judgment. As I study this passage, I was drawn to that very last verse. We're going to put that up now. Uh, John 4, or 7:24. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. I believe that as we look at this passage, we're going to see that, again, this is how Jesus concludes this portion of teaching. But we're going to see that throughout this passage, Jesus is leading us into how to do this very thing, how to judge with right judgment. So the whole idea, again, when we look at at anything in Scripture, we've talked about this many times, is that we can look at a certain passage and we can draw conclusions just from that. And we are to draw conclusions from each passage, but we also need to look at the whole, the context of Scripture as a whole. So I obviously can't go through every Scripture verse that's been written about judgment, but I'm going to read down through some. And we're going to see, as we often do, that there appear to be Scriptures that contradict one another. Truths, you know, one thing that's spoken, another thing that's spoken, it seems like they're in contradiction of, of, to one another, but we want to remind us always that when we, when we see things that Scripture says that seem to be in contradiction, we need to remember that, first of all, Scripture is all true. So when there seems to be contradiction, there's, there's two truths that coexist in tension. So as I read some of these Scriptures on judgment, we're going to see some of those tensions. So again, Jesus, you know, in this verse, um, 724, it says, do not judge by appearance, but judge with right judgments. I want to go now to James chapter 4. You don't need to flip there. I'm just going to read through a number of verses. But, but listen closely to what, uh, what these, these writers are saying. James 4.12. Okay, James is one of the, actually one of the brothers that had just been speaking to Jesus. Uh, but James, in, in chapter 4, verse 12, says this, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy but you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Okay, receive this. This is truth. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said th- these words, Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So again, James has established there's one judge. Jesus is saying, don't judge. Second Corinthians 2 Paul, beginning in verse 14 through 16, says this, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one, for who has has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? but we have the mind of Christ. So judging so many times, though, has carried a negative connotation because we have seen judgment used as a negative tool. Uh, We have possibly been a victim of harsh judgments. Uh, We've possibly had things spoken against us that have been very damaging, and and it's, it's labeled probably very properly as a judgment. So there's often this negative connotation to judgment, but yet we have in from that first verse that there is one judge, that, that God is judged. So if God who is perfect is judged, then we need to understand that there's a positive to judge. There's a positive to judgment. When Jesus is giving instructions to judge rightly, that there is a positive aspect to judgment. So the reality is, is that uh, we're making judgments every day. We've made a whole lot of judgments already today. Now, as I'm saying that, you may be thinking, wait, are you accusing me of something? Am I, am I judging you? Hopefully, you won't receive it that way because we're making judgments where a judgment is a decision, right? We make a judgment because we see options and we're choosing an option. 
We're choosing something to follow. Now, there's a difference between discerning and making judgments in order to make a decision and passing judgment. When we pass judgment, that means that we're sitting in a place as, as a judge would sit where we're, we're executing, we're the one executing justice, where we're making a determination that is making a decision that is going to bring consequence, okay? So this is where we need to be careful as we're, again, it's the same word that's speaking to different things when we're talking about making judgments and judging, okay? Passing judgment. So the reality here, though, is that there is right judgment. In the scripture, Jesus said, he gave us instruction, judge with right judgment. So what is right judgment? Right judgment would be judging fairly, okay? Judging fairly with fairness, not showing favoritism or partiality. Judging fairly without showing favoritism and partiality. And I don't know about you, so yesterday I, I uh, had the, the privilege to officiate a wedding and uh, you know, I read portions of 1 Corinthians 13 and said, this is love, this is how to live love. And then I think almost immediately, immediately followed with, but we can't do it. Like we see the definition and we look at it and we can see aspects that we follow, but we can't do this on our own. Okay, but God who is love desires to live in us so that it is his love that flows through us. So when Jesus is calling us to judge rightly, he's calling us to, to fall and to flow into the way that he judges. So what we're gonna do is look at this passage and how I believe that, that, that Jesus who never made a wrong judgment in this passage and his teaching is gonna show us how we can move in making right judgment. So we can all again look back on our lives and realize that there are many things that we have done that show poor judgment. Um, I'm not gonna be putting it up on the screen, but I was flashing back to commercials and I, I don't even remember what was being advertised. I just remember the commercial. It's like that flashes back to things that were done like 20 years ago and it's like, wow, that seemed right at the time, but that was a really poor judgment. Um, sometimes that involves tattoos. Sometimes, you know, that it's, uh, it's there's different things and nothing against tattoos, but boy, some... I know there's a lot of regrets. The one commercial said regrets, you know, because it was, it was, um, <clears throat> but, but we've all made, you know, we've all made wrong judgments and often it's because, again, we're not following in Jesus' way. Jesus, even two chapters earlier in John 5, verse 30, said this, I can do nothing on my own as I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Great verse that Jesus, again, has already spoken, that we've already looked at, that he's not judging according to his, to, to his own understanding. He's judging according to what he hears. What he hears is he's listening to dad. He's following the will of the father. So I flash back as well to, um, back to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and this is when Samuel was sent to anoint a new king, and he went to Jesse and said, bring your sons to me. And uh, when the sons arrived, Samuel saw uh, Eliab and, and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But here's what the Lord said. He was leading Samuel into a right judgment. The Lord said this, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance. The Lord looks at the heart. So that establishes a, a, a very clear guideline, again, back in the Old Testament, of, of how our tendency is to look by what we see, that God goes beyond what is seen. 
He's looking at the heart. He's looking at what's, what goes beyond even our understanding for we, we struggle to understand our own hearts. But God wants to lead us to right judgment and it has to be through him and by him. So there are three things in this passage if that we can, we can look at now uh, that I can have right judgment and these are the, the points that we're gonna just walk through this passage and look at. I can have right judgment by first discerning God's time Second, seeking and doing God's will. And third, giving God glory. So these three things, we're gonna be going through them and if you didn't get them all written down, if you're taking notes, they're gonna be coming back up on the screen uh, one by one. We're gonna go to the first one right now. I can have right judgment by discerning God's timing. I can have right judgment by discerning God's timing. We're looking at verses six through eight where, where Jesus said, said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to, to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. So again, we wanna give context that this is all centered around the Feast of Booths. Um, some translations of scripture call it the Feast of Tabernacles. That's the same thing. Um, the Hebrew word for it is uh, Sukkot. Or, okay, I'm, I don't know if that's exactly the right in pronunciation, but, um, but this is a Jewish feast. There's seven feasts that God uh, gave to the Israelites to observe in Le- Leviticus 23, and this is the seventh in that listing. So the Feast of Booths was a time of celebration. It was, um, as far as its time of occurrence, again, it's the last in the list. Five days prior to this, this feast beginning, five days prior had been the Day of Atonement. Now, if you remember this past fall, uh, on the Day of Atonement, which was September 26th, we participated in the return, which was a worldwide prayer movement uh, seeking to, just seeking the face of God. And that actually had culminated a 10-day period that had begun with the Feast of Trumpets. Uh, so that gives you a little bit of an idea as far as the sequence, that there was the Feast of Trumpets, uh, a duration of 10 days, uh, and that was the fasting, it was, it was mourning, it was uh, pursuing God, uh, culminated on the Day of Atonement, and five days later is the beginning of this feast, which is the Feast of Booths. And this feast lasted for, for eight days. It began with an observance of a Sabbath, and it ended with an observance of a Sabbath, a day set apart uh, to rest, but it was celebratory. It was rejoicing in that it was a time at the, at the end of the final harvest uh, where crops had been brought in. And the celebration was that God provides. He's provided for us and it's celebrating that. But in this feast, what happened is that um, people would uh, build temporary sh- shelters. That's why it's called the Feast of Booths. And this was according to the instruction. You can go back to Leviticus 23. And what, what the Israelites were called to do were, were to build temporary shelters that they would live in throughout this feast. And the reason that they were doing that was to remember God's provision for the Israelites when God had delivered them out of the bondage of Egypt. They had been in slavery. God delivered them, and for 40 years, they lived in temporary dwellings. For 40 years, they found the provision of God in the wilderness time before they entered into the promised land of Canaan. So this Feast of Booths was remembering and celebrating this time of God's provision for the children during that journey. And it connects so strongly to our journey here and now. Because the reality is that we're living in temporary booths right now. These bodies, these temples are temporary dwellings that the Spirit of God lives in as, as we are believers in Christ. So this, and this is not our home, we're living in temporary homes. This is a temporary place of our dwelling. And we can celebrate God's provision as we are getting ready to enter into the promised land, which is eternity with God forever, where he will make his dwelling with us and we will be his people, he will be our God. 
So this is the, the, the background as far as the, the feast and the symbolism of what it was pointing to. And Jesus' brothers now come to him, and these are his half-brothers. So uh, same mother, okay, Mother's Day, same mother, different father, okay, right? Because Mary um, was conceived of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, so Joseph was the father who, who helped raise Jesus, but, but God is Jesus' father, okay? So, so Mary gave birth to Jesus, but then um, there's different commentators have different ideas exactly uh, as far as the, the relationship, but most believe that, that these brothers who came to Jesus would have been children of Joseph and Mary, that uh, these brothers actually were mentioned, if you remember back in um, John chapter two at the wedding of Cana Gal- of Galilee, that Jesus was there with his, with his mother and then it says that his brothers were also there. So the brothers come to Jesus and they said, hey, it's time to go to this feast. Um, again, it was the devout Jewish males would, uh, would go, this would be one of the feasts that, that they would go to. And, um, and they said, Jesus, come on down. Brother, literally, brother, Jesus, come on down. You know, you, and this is kind of, I'll paraphrase what they're saying, but you want to be seen by people. This is your chance. You're staying up here in Galilee. Galilee's removed from the center of worship. Galilee's removed from where the temple is. And they're saying, Let, you know, why don't you go down now to the feast and it can happen, like it can really happen. Now, John gives us insight is that they were actually saying this because they were still struggling. They didn't, they didn't believe in him. Like these are the brothers that were raised with him. And, and again, let's not judge them, you know, Again, because being in that situation, we could be very blind to who Jesus is too because how many times is Jesus living and walking with us and we can miss who he is? So we're, we're not judging the brothers, but they're saying, go down now. And then Jesus' response here is that my time's not yet come. My time has not yet come. So there's an issue to discerning God's timing. There's an issue to discerning God's timing. Now he's pointing to them. He says, my time's not, not yet come. Uh, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you. So he's, he's explained the difference is that like, I'm working according to a different kingdom. I'm working with a different mindset, with a different focus. Um, they're gonna be raised, those brothers, we have two of those brothers become, become writers of, of books that we have in the New Testament, James and Jude. But, but he said like right now, like you're functioning according to this world. So timing really doesn't matter. Any time's good for you. But I've gotta be about my father's timing. I need to walk in his way do what he desires in his time. So Jesus said, my time has not yet come. And then again, in verse eight, he's saying, you go to the feast. I'm not going to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. Now we've already read the passage. And honestly, to me, I, I've still been wrestling. I've, I've read through this many times and, and read commentaries. And there's, there's, there's attempts to try to figure out exactly why Jesus said this and then he goes. Because I mean, it seems like a pretty clear statement that Jesus is saying, again, you know, I'm not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. But what we need to understand is there are different words that are used concerning timing in the Gospel of John. Most other places where it talks about Jesus saying like my hour has not yet come, he's speaking toward a specific time, an established time that is set by God and often he's referring to when he says my hour has not yet come, he's talking about his crucifixion. That is something that, that again is established, it's immovable, um, it, it's that, that the time cannot cannot change before it was at just the right time that Jesus came okay here it's a different word that's used for time it actually means a window of opportunity so this gives some explanation possibly of what Jesus is saying it's like I'm not going to the feast now the, the window of opportunity is not here if he had gone with his brothers there probably would have been great commotion because we see that in the later scriptures that people were talking about Jesus I mean he was the top that he was the hot topic 
at that feast. It's like, who is he? Is he good? Is he bad? You know, there's different, there's murmurings because it's true that, that there were religious leaders that were ready to kill him. So, I mean, the atmosphere around this, timing was extremely important. So Jesus said, again, my time is not now. So it's often not, it's, it's not a matter of if we're gonna do something, it's when. That timing is so critical. And so many times the when for us really trips us up. Now, I wanna give you, a, a, a testified to a, a failure earlier, but I wanna share with success in regards to this. Um, there was a situation many, many years ago that I, I knew I needed to have a crucial conversation. Crucial conversation is when you have to say something hard, it's hard for you to say, and something hard to receive, but it needs to be said. And crucial conversations is extremely important that we first look at our hearts. You know, we talk about peacemakers, pledge, and things like that, but we look inside and we settle things in our hearts before we speak. You know, so many times we don't even register here before we speak. You know, we speak and then think. But I mean, really to, to do it right, we need to go even deeper. We need to go into our hearts and get our hearts right. So it's a crucial conversation I knew that I needed to have. And, um, and I prayed about it. I got my heart right because there were some things that my emotions and my pains could get in the way and I felt like I settled that with God. And I felt like, you know, it's, it's okay, I can step now. I prepared, prayed, and was ready to step. I literally was going to walk out my door and I felt like God shut the door. I said, not now. I, I didn't hear him speak it, but like in my spirit, it's like I just felt like now is not the time. So thankfully, I listened. I, I didn't go. I was prepared, but I didn't go. It was about two weeks later, so I kept trying to discern, God, what is your time? It was about two weeks later, I took the step and, and it was hard, it really was. And, and see, for me, I have to watch too because I tend to avoid these kinds of things. <laughs> you know, I don't, so it's hard for me to discern like is this God or is it me and my own hesitancy. But, but finally, I took the step, I went, had this conversation, it was a difficult conversation, but I uh, felt God really led it. And unsolicited, this person said to me, if you had come any earlier, I would not have received this. You know, it's not this, it's like this, praise God, because only by God's goodness did I hear and walk in his time. And, you know, as elders this past Friday as we met, we, we just allowed God to bring to our remembrance times that we just sense God move when it wasn't again just what he did, it's when he did it. And not just when we made, or how we made decisions or what decision was made, but when the decision was made. And we gave testimony to this a couple weeks ago that you know, we really felt that, uh, that we were supposed to do expansion just down the shopping center. And we thought it was last year, but God said, wait. And now God has said, don't wait. And, and it's clear that, that it, it's been God's timing. And we rest in that, but it's God's timing. It's not following what I see. It's not judging my, by my appearances what, what, what I can see. It's following his prompting. It's, it's making those steps according to what he says. So God's timing did lead Jesus then to the Feast of Booths, but it was at a slightly different time. So he shows up about halfway through. Uh, big difference. Again, just even how he was received, how he came in. Um, so again, th- this key thing is that I, I can have right judgment by discerning God's time. The second thing is that I can have right judgment by seeking and doing God's will. Now, as Jesus was speaking here, again, he's, um, you know, he's, he's talking in this passage just before this, and he's making <clears throat> some pretty strong um, declarations because the people are like marvel, marveling at him. It's like, like, who is this guy? Like, how did he come to know all this stuff? They're trying to figure him out based on what, what he said. And, um, 
In verse 16, Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. And then he's, he's speaking to them and he's saying, saying this, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. He's saying that you can have right judgment of me if you seek God's will. That you can know for sure whether or not I am, I am of God if you will seek and do God's will. So the key word in here, when we talk about will, it's, it's like our desire, it's like what's, in, what's inside. But the key word in this is do, is do. So again, Jesus said, if any, anyone's will is to do God's will. And what I'd like, to, like for us to see together here is that the doing is what brings the revelation. Like, like we can know things in our minds, but that's not necessarily gonna bring revelation. In fact, often it doesn't. So I was thinking about the, the difference of this. It's, it's like, again, once we do, once we step out, it's like things open up, and this is true in Scripture. So, so there are times, and, and I've given this testimony, I've heard many people give this testimony, they're, like, they're saying like, all of a sudden, man, the word is coming alive to me. Like I've struggled to understand it, you know, I've read this so many times and it just hasn't made sense, but all of a sudden it's starting to open up, and do you know what the difference is? Doing. That they're, that they're walking now in obedience to the word in a way they hadn't before. Because as we do, as we follow, as we step in faith, it opens our understanding. So I was thinking, you know, like uh, many people have like actors that, um, that they really admire, they look up to, and that may have changed a lot in the past year, I don't know, because there's been so much happening. But, but, but you know, you, can, you might look at an actor and you think, like, I really like them because like, I just, I love the way they play these parts. You know, like, I just connect with who they are. So we know that they're acting then. But then we look at, well, I can get to know them better because I can, um, you know, I can follow them online or I can hear them speak in interviews, or you know, I can read, read about their lives in those uh, trusty um, factual papers in the, <laughs> that you can find at the checkout in the store. So, so we can think that, the, that we know them, okay? There's a knowledge, but you know what? The only way we really get to know them is if we start doing life with them. You know, when the camera's not on, you know, and, and sometimes we see now, cell phones are recording some things backstage and things, you know what I mean? And, and you get a little bit different picture, but they're still snapshots, right? So, but it's not until you really do life together that you have revelation. And it's not until we do life with Jesus <laughs> that we really have revelation. So the, the obedience is, is doing life with God. It's coming alongside of him and saying, I'm gonna walk with you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna obey what you say. And as we do that, we begin to have revelation and we can make right judgment the way he desires. Because we're not basing it, again, as Jesus said, I'm, I'm not basing my judgment on, on what, I, what I see. I'm finding right judgment by coming in contact with the living God. And the way I'm gonna be in contact with the living God is to come to align, into alignment with what he says. So as I obey, revelation of who he is comes to me. And I believe that's what Jesus is saying here. If anyone wills to do God's will, you'll see that I am him. You, I will, you will see that my authority is not my own, it's from God. So I wanna give you a, a practical application. So how do we obey? You know, how do we step into this obedience? And it is literally the word that I just used, we step. We step. So Psalm 119, the, the entire uh, chapter speaks of, 100 and, I think it's 176 verses about the word of God. 
And the, you know, one of the primary truths that's often grabbed from there is that the word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And a long time ago, I heard this description that says like, you know, if you wanna go somewhere that's dark, you don't need to see where you're going through to, you need to see the next step. You need a light to your path, you know, or, or light to your feet, lamp to your path. You need that, you just need to see here. Like if you have revelation for here, and someone is leading you to there, they know where that destination is. Following in the next step is what's gonna lead you to the right place. So literally, our, I was read, reading this just recently again, that, that it's called The Principle of the Path by Andy Stanley. In that book, he talks about this. He said, our decisions, like the judgment that we make, our decision determines our direction. So like right now, whichever way I'm gonna face doesn't really matter. It's when I make a decision and step. That step has determined my, my direction and my direction will determine my destination. That it's a, it's a moment by moment, day by day walk in obedience to the word of God. So we can wrestle about like, what's God's will, you know? And sometimes he'll show us a bigger picture of like what his will for our lives are, but then we need to be careful when he brings revelation that we understand his timing, you know? We need to have, you know, be careful that we understand that, that, that he may show us clearly that this is where he's taking us to, but we gotta do it in his time. So it's a moment by moment, day by day, just walking in obedience to the word of God, and he will lead us to where he desires for us to be. For Jesus, it brought him to this feast, and he taught words that we can now learn from. So his revelation will come as we walk in obedience. So I can have right judgment by discerning God's time. I can have right judgment by seeking and doing God's will. And thirdly, I can have right judgment by giving God glory. So you look at this verse in verse 18. And Jesus says this, the one who, who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. Think, think about what he said. The one who speaks on his own authority is seeking his own glory, okay? But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true and in him there's no falsehood. Now Jesus is saying, it's not about me, it's about him. And when it's about him, there's truth. When it's about him, I don't have to worry about being off and making false judgments and going the wrong way. When it's all about him, there's this confidence I can rest in because it's not about me. It's a confidence that we can rest in because it's not about me. Last week, one of the, so appreciated um, the delivery of the word last week, but um, but Ben, the one thing that just like just resonated with me so strongly, and I've, it's been just on my heart and mind throughout this week, is the word priority. Um, how again in, in the 1400s, when that word is, I believe, first recorded in the English language, or going back that that long ago, a priority was a singular word that never became plural until the 1900s, where it became priorities. So I've changed some notes. I've changed some things I've written down because in, what, I've been, what I've realized is that I've, I've wrestled because I'm wrestling with priorities instead of defining the priority. That, that although God is at the top and you know, I desire for him to be first and foremost, when I see other priorities, I see a competition. These other things are too close. But when I see him as priority, other things are important, but they all come under the one. So 
what this helps me with personally, like literally through this week, it's, it's changed some things. Like even in leading a team, I changed something because I said our priorities are. And now it's our priority is. And in our lives, can we begin to define more and more that, that he is our priority? So if anybody, anything is going to get glory, the priority is him. That he needs to receive the glory. That means he gets the credit. He gets the thank you. He gets, he, he gets the, the attention that is deserving of him because reality is that, again, we can do nothing in and of ourselves. Anything good in our lives, it's him. So we just need to guard ourselves to make sure that we're not doing something so that the light can shine on us. But everything that we do and everything that we say, it's so that the light shines on him. That he is our priority, that he is the one who gets the glory. As Pastor Jeff has often said is that there's two things that we all seek in life. And it's security and significance. You know, and so many times we can try to establish security and by what we do and, and what we can, you know, and again, reality is that we can't do anything unless God gives us strength or wisdom or, or intellect or energy and all these things. But, but we can try to, try to establish our security by doing our thing our way and we can think that that's gonna bring us some kind of significance when Jesus is saying, do all for my glory. Jesus was doing everything for the, the glory of the one who sent him who is the Father. We are to do everything for the glory of one who has sent us who is Jesus. Jesus has sent us out. Will we do all things for his glory, for his honor? Because when we do, we find the most secure place we could possibly be in. When it's about his glory, I'm secure. I don't have to worry about whether I'm, and this isn't pointing back to that video necessarily, but whether I'm recognized or not, you know, whether I'm affirmed or not, I rest in him. It's about him. I don't have to be concerned about significance because, you know, I find significance when my life and what I say and what I do points to him, where he gets the glory and he gets the honor, he gets the praise. So as we wrap up this text in verses 19 through 23, um, Jesus is explaining to the Jews how they put other things before God. And he's almost certainly pointing back to what had happened two chapters earlier when he healed the man who had been, been lame for 38 years. And they came against him and said, you did this on the Sabbath. But the reality is that they, they were elevating laws that they had made above God. They, they were getting things in the way. They were making wrong judgments. And Jesus was making this declaration to bring them back and he was saying, don't judge by appearance, but judge with right judgment. So as we look at these three things, I can have right judgment. I can have right judgment. I don't need to make wrong judgments. I can have right judgment by discerning God's timing. Setting aside my own and say, God, I'm trusting your timing. Just leave me. Show me your timing. I can have right judgment as I seek and I do his will. I say, God, you know, whatever it is, God, I want my will, I want my desire to align with your desire. When it happens, I know, God, you're leading to right judgment. And thirdly, I can have right judgment by making this decision, finalizing it, and say, God, it's for your glory, not my own. God, you be glorified. And when we find that place, we find abundant life. We find full life. We find life that Jesus is going to be talking about later on the, the last and, and glorious day of this feast. So that's the teaser. Make sure you come back next week. 
But there's this life that God has for us. He desires for us to judge rightly. And when we do, we are freed. We are freed. Because wrong judgments are bad for us, they're bad for others. And they're not glorifying to God, but when we judge rightly, He is glorified. So I just want you to just kind of settle yourself before God right now and just say, God, speak to me. God, what are you showing me? So I want you to just, just it may be in one particular thing, it may be in three things, but, but here's the thing is that right now, as God is speaking to you, he's not passing judgment on you. He's leading you into right judgment so that you can grow in him, so you can be stronger in him. You may look at your life and right now God just may be showing you, hey, you know, you've been like pushing to do things in your time. Turn that over to me. Let me show you. Let me show you my timing for your life. Maybe in regards to obedience. You know, there's always the struggle of the wills, right? But maybe God's really calling you, just lay your will before me, that your will would be to do his will. And you'll find that his, his will, his desire is greater than you could, anything you could possibly plan. His way is best. And finally, God may be showing you, you know, you've been so concerned about, about how people see you or, or you know, perceptions of yourself. Just be concerned most about me and I'll take care of you. Let your life be for my glory and you will find amazing, amazing life. So God, we thank you so much that you are desiring the best for us. Thank you, God, that you always make right judgment and you are leading us to make right judgment. So Lord, help us right now to set aside, God, um, judging anything according to just what our eyes would see, that we would not judge according to appearances, but we would judge rightly by your power and by your strength. Thank you that you care so much for us. And we know that one day we will stand before you that you are the ultimate judge and we thank you that because of the work of Christ that we can have confidence that you will make the declaration that we are yours. God, that, you, um, that, you will, that we long to hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. So God, until that day, we just desire to walk with you moment by moment, step by step. We desire for you to be everything in our lives. And right now, we just want to declare, Lord, God, how much we love you and how much we're thankful for you and how much we are desiring to walk with you this day and each day that you give us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. You can find more like it on our website under sermons. To keep up to date with our sermon series, hit the subscribe button in your podcast host and follow our social media pages. Just search for GFC Shrewsbury on the platform of your choice. If you're looking to connect with us further, then you can email us at connect at gfcshrewsbury.org. We will be back next week with another message. We hope to see you again soon.